Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. you been this week my Ooh. lovely lemon of a lady oh i've just been <laughs> wonderful i actually have a very before we introduce our guest okay. i have a very funny story tell me you. your story does it include our guest um it does it okay. does it does great so picture it back in the day we're okay. talking early 90s mm-hmm. texas angsty roxy in her bedroom door slamming the bedroom door i can see it right now i picture right it. you can see nothing it. has changed yeah, nothing has changed it's all the same yeah Finding solace in my oversized Jerbo jeans. Oh, my I love it. Loud mm. Depeche Mode music. So sexy. And of course, the the pages of Bop, Teen Beat, Tiger oh, love Beat. It. Love it. All the classic Teeny Bopper magazines. Yep. Um, and my only escape, you know, thinking, oh my God, Hollywood sounds like so amazing, so glamorous. Like, how do I leave Texas and get there, right? How do you? Well, I'm sure you'll tell us, Rosie. Well, can I just tell you? I had it all planned out. I was going to marry the Corys. Alyssa Milano was going to be my best girlfriend. Uh, as per usual. Right? Yeah. We were going to spend our days cruising the beaches of Malibu and going out to the Hollywood hotspots, like the Roxbury oh, Bar One, which so I did do, side note, different time. We'll talk about that. But um, it didn't exactly turn out that way, mm-hmm. but... The 15-year-old in me is kind of freaking out today because... And you manifested. I manifested it. Corey Feldman! Feldman! Woo! Woo! Hey, ladies. Ladies. I've never heard anything like that. It was phantasmazing. (laughs) (laughs) Have you ever had someone's, uh, your face on someone's, like, body before? I have. Tattooed? Yes. I'm sure you've had many people... Well, I haven't had many people no, no, on no, my body, but they, yes, yes, on yes. Many people. Right. Well, I've had my yeah. face on a few people. Yes. Your yeah. wife's here, so we have to be yeah, super right. careful. No, you know what? No, my wife is not that way. She is yeah. a very uh, open-minded individual, and she doesn't get jealous sure. of her, especially stories of the past. That's just ridiculousness. You know, I, I can't believe when people do that, where they're like, "Oh my God, you did this before you met me. I'm never going to look at you the same." And you're like, "What the hell? Like, am I responsible for things that I?" did before I knew who the hell you were? No. My husband tells me the story every time we pass this one, um, like, uh, uh, Chipotle store. He's like, do you remember this beautiful Asian girl I used to date? I'm like, yes, you've told me the story. Beautiful Asian. really was into you. She, like, cooked for you, and I don't. I get it. I get it. Right. Well, there's a difference between telling a story and rubbing it in 50,000 times. I know I need to cook for you. Yes, yes. Right. So let's take it back to the beginning because you okay. are By the like, way, I love your shoes. Can oh, I just say I love you. your shoes? You love, Those are badass like? because okay. it says B on each side with right. big gold Bs, which means like badass B, badass B, right? <laughs> yes, yes. Doesn't it? And your shoes are cool. No, <laughs> no I See, love you the dress, good though. Taste, the dress Corey. is very nice. Dress is very nice. Very nice. Exactly, exactly. Well, I like the fact that we match. I mean, it's kind of cool. Look at that. It's blue and white, blue and white. Little checkered thing. Coordination. You guys are, like, psychically connected. We're all kind of little right? matching here. This is like we actually coordinated we coordinate. this crap. It was all meant and to we be. Didn't. It was yeah. all meant to be. I like it. 
So taking it back a little ways, back before the 90s, you started acting at three years old, right? That's, that's way back. That's <laughs> way back, right? Yes, it is. That's right? right. Well, it was dark. It was cold. <laughs> I couldn't see anything. I was trying to find my way around. Uh, anyway, <laughs> exactly. So, is this like always something you wanted to do, or was it more like of your was parents? Was something agenda? I always wanted to do? Do a documentary about um, terrible things? No, no, no. no that no. was not what I always wanted to do. Uh, no, you mean be here? I mean, uh, no. I mean, um, starting acting. Was it more like your parents' agenda, or was it more? It was you? definitely my parents' agenda. Okay. But okay. that said, I mean, obviously, I was a you know, boisterous little, you know, character driven dude who mm -hmm. ran around throwing on costumes everywhere and playing in his imaginary world. Uh, so I, I'm sure that they went, hey, meal ticket. But, you know, yeah. my sister started, actually. My sister was famous before I was. She was on the new Mickey Mouse Club which is no longer new. It's quite, quite old. But it was new at the time, and that was before Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake and Christina Aguilera hit the Disney scene. So she was one of the OGs. No, it's, it's all about, you know, training the child to be in that box. And, I mean, you know you're an actress. So you know how it is that... They don't want to work with anybody that's not going to take orders, right? Like, you have to be disciplined. You have to follow everything to a T. And most directors don't even want you thinking for yourself. I mean, that's the truth of it. They're going to give you line readings. They're going to tell you exactly what face to make and how to express yourself and how to move and what body language they want. Everything, right? And then there's directors that actually let you open up and play and be you or bring yourself to the character or whatever. But there are those that won't, and especially when you're a child. So I think a lot of it is just the psychological kind of beatdown of like, you need to be you know, disciplined and docile and do what we tell you. But there's also the factor of this is our meal ticket. I mean, literally, that was that was it. So they wanted just like the Jackson's parents, you know, it was like we were we were beaten to train. Like, literally, like, we're going to put you in a room, we're going to give you a script, and you're not coming out of this room until you know that script backwards and forwards. And when I say backwards and forwards, I literally mean backwards and forwards. Like, I had to be able to read it backwards, meaning like, okay, we're going to go backwards through the script. What's your line? You know, and then we're not going to tell you the lead line into it. Like, you've got to already know what the line before that's supposed to be. Do you feel like they loved you? No. I feel like they loved the money. <laughs> Do you still feel that way? Yes, very much so. Oh. Yeah, I have no no relationship, no communication with my parents whatsoever. Oh, wow. Just break that as a mother, and the, Roxy and I yeah. both have children. It breaks my heart. Right. Yeah, I have children too. Yeah, I have a child, but yeah, yeah, I know. I can't imagine. I can't imagine somebody thinking of their child that way. It's it's just nauseating, really. Do you forgive them? Uh, I forgive them in the sense that they, they're not well people, mm -hmm. you know, uh, my mother is mentally unstable mm -hmm. and that's something that I came to terms with many, many years ago. The kinds of things that she did to me, which were violent and, and tumultuous and torturous, mm -hmm. uh, that she would enjoy. Mm -hmm. I mean, she would actually enjoy it. She would Sarah. smile and laugh <laughs> while she was doing these evil, cruel things to me. So you have to go no sane person would do that to their child and enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and now she has no memory of it. And that's the thing. That's the, one of the reasons why I can't communicate with her is because I'm like, what is the point of trying to rationalize with somebody who cannot even accept the fact that they took part in something? Because that's really where it's at. Right. Like, she doesn't even acknowledge it. Like, I'll be like, okay, so this happened and this really hurt me. And she'll be like, that didn't happen. 
I'd be like, what do you mean it didn't happen? Obviously, I've carried it for all these years. No, didn't happen. Okay. Do you, do you see things at some point, like being able to sort of come back together in some way? No. The yeah. last straw was when I wrote my book, Choreography, in 2013. I haven't spoken to her since. And the reason why is because at that point, I had been like, okay, I really want to try and find the healing, and I want to forgive, and I want to move on. So I really tried to like bring things full circle and by doing that I took her out to lunch several times and I said here's the deal I've got this book coming out it's very cathartic it's very important it's something that I have to do for my soul mm -hmm. to free myself so if you know you understand that then hopefully you're going to be supportive of this so I'm going to give you the manuscript six months out six months before it comes out so you have time to read it. Mm -hmm. So if you have any major issues with it, if there's anything you want to discuss or something you don't agree with, I'm willing to take a look okay. at it mm -hmm. and we can maybe work on, you know, lessening it or shortening it or whatever, maybe mm -hmm. take it out altogether. And so I gave her the book. I gave it to her on a tablet. She'd never had a tablet before, so I transferred it onto a tablet. I gave her the whole tablet and I said, it's yours to keep, just do what you got to do. And she took the tablet, never read the book never read it and I said look and it, I met with her again like a month before it came out I said I've given you five months what do you think of the book she says I have nothing I said what do you mean she goes I didn't read it and I'm like are you serious and she goes yeah and I go all right look here's the deal when this book comes out the press is going to come to you for answers mm -hmm. they're going to want to know right. so there's three ways that you can approach this number one is you're supportive and you say you know what I may not agree with some of the things in the book. Mm -hmm. There may be things that I don't remember or I don't agree with whatever and whole, but I'm proud of my son and I'm, you know, glad that he's doing this for him and he's, you know, I stand with him and I'm going to support him no matter what because he's my son and I love him. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Number two is you keep your mouth shut and you just don't say anything at all. If you really don't agree with what I'm doing, you just leave it alone and you just say no thank you, no comment, whatever. Mm -hmm. I said, and then there's the third thing you could do, which is exactly what we don't want, which is for you to go out there and debate it and say, oh, well, I don't believe this or I don't believe that or this isn't true or that's mm -hmm. not true. I said, if you do that, you're going to make yourself look really bad because everybody knows that I'm a truthful guy and they're going to know that these stories are honest because you can hear the honesty in them. So, you know, if you come out there and you fight it, you come out swatting, mm -hmm. it's going to make you look bad. Mm -hmm. And nobody will have empathy for that. Nobody has empathy for a mother that abuses her children. Mm -hmm. And so she says, okay, I understand. And then the day the book comes out, she goes and takes interviews with like all the sleazy press and mm -hmm. says that, you know, I'm out of my mind and it must be the drugs that I did in the past and all of this kind of stuff that ruined my brain and my memory. And I'm just going like, wow. <laughs> And then father, same thing, mm -hmm. just opportunist. So not to say that it's um, right what they did at all. Do you think it was their defense mechanism for not protecting you that made them sort of go this route? Do they hate themselves? Yeah, themselves? do they hate themselves for, for uh, I, You know, I, I wish I could say I, I thought so, but I don't think so. Mm -hmm. I, I unfortunately think that they, my father, I mean, I lived with him for, you know, several years after I left my mother, and he was all opportunistic i mean literally like it was it's hard to explain but like if i was doing a big event a big concert a big you know new tv series new movie whatever and this is years after he was like you know the parental father mm -hmm. like literally like i was doing my show dweebs in the 90s and i'm you know in my 20s at that time early 20s and he shows up at the set and i'm like 
I haven't seen you in five years. What are you doing here? You know, oh, well, you know, my son's on a lot and I think I'm going to stop by. I mean, because it was just opportunistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you deal with the PTSD of everything that you've gone through? Like, I how do you don't. function on a normal daily basis? I mean, really? I've been through nothing compared to anything you have and I still struggle. So I, I don't know how you're such a light in the darkness and have now made it something that's so important to you to help other people sometimes when you don't know what to do for yourself it's good better to do for others mm. how do you get up every day that's it and, and fight it. on you just hit it on the head i mean for me the true joy comes with enlightenment mm-hmm. uh i have a very deep spiritual basis that's important i pray every day uh on my hands and knees mm-hmm. just like you know i did when i was a kid uh, I have no humility about that. Um, and I feel blessed. I have a beautiful life. I mean, I have I have no complaints. Yes, there are the things that I have to fight through. There are the missions that I'm trying to accomplish as far as education, awareness, raising awareness, making change, trying to root out these awful people who are still thriving in the industry and showing people that, look, this is not okay. We cannot accept this. We cannot allow these people to win. So there is that. But the other side of it is that like, I have a beautiful wife, I have a lovely son who I, you know, love dearly. And, um, you know, for the most part, I'm pretty proud of him. And and I think it's been a normal life as far as, you know, everything that's happened in the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. Everything prior to that was kind of crazy. Mm-hmm. But I think that things have really kind of found their place. And I feel like, you know, I've had many different cathartic releases mm-hmm. that help kind of get it out like first of all i went to a lot of therapy obviously right. you know yeah you, you right. got to do therapy right now marriage left. So, <laughs> yeah. so i did therapy for geez i don't know 10 years mm-hmm. on my own before i ever even started trying to have real relationships and then i had a bunch of relationships that were really bad where i was cheated on and i lost faith in women i lost mm-hmm. trust in women it was really bad 18 in a row the first woman was your mother yeah exactly. so you lost right. trust back in but i had three a great years old. i had a great grandma so that's what saved me. If I didn't have a great grandma, I would have probably never been able to have a real relationship. But because I had a great grandma, I knew that there was great women out there. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was just a matter of finding the one that was sane enough to deal with me. Um, mm-hmm. So, and it took a while. I mean, look, I went through three, well, three engagements and two ex-wives mm-hmm. till I found the woman that I'm with today. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was, and I wasn't looking, you know, by the time her and I met each other, it was like, I was done. I was gave up on the idea. That's when you find it. Exactly. <laughs> exactly I was like, I'm doing Corey's angels now. Right. I'm just going to like have a bevy of women around right. and no commitments. And I'll just be like the playboy guy. What and that's that it. Like? Yeah. it lots of fun, but <laughs> <laughs> I've been know. there. I've been to the grotto. <laughs> right, exactly. You know what I'm saying? I mean, but then, you you know, things change and we all grow up. And at a certain point you go, I want a family, mm-hmm. you know, and I've always wanted a family. It's all I ever wanted. Mm-hmm. I was never the guy that wanted to be the playboy. That wasn't my dream. My dream was to have a child and to have a white house with a white picket fence and all of that yeah. stuff. Right. It's the American dream. Um, yeah. And that was since I was a baby. I mean, that's all I ever wanted. So I got married the first time when I was 17 mm-hmm. because I'd been emancipated at 15 because all I wanted was love. All we need is love. Come on, everybody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And that's it. 
that's all I wanted. So I got very lucky that it finally happened. Mm -hmm. And I'm grateful, you know, I'm grateful that I didn't end up like my best friend who didn't ever have that chance, who didn't get the love that he wanted, who didn't get to live out his life and have a child. Oh my God, he would have been so happy to have a child. And, and that's the stuff that destroys me, you know? So, so my vigilante mission, if you will, with my truth doc, Mm -hmm. um, is, is about that. It's about standing up for what he lost, for what he didn't get because his innocence was stolen. Mm -hmm. And that's so unfair. Mm -hmm. It's so unfair that he's gone and the person that raped him is living his happy little life. It it makes me sick. Mm -hmm. It makes my blood boil. And this is a very public person, obviously. That very, very public person. Mm-hmm. So, what do you hope um, with the documentary when you, um, because you will be naming this person in the documentary, correct? Mm. What do you hope to gain by that? What would you like to see happen? I'd like to see other victims come forward. What, what we saw yesterday is life changing. Life changing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The Weinstein case. This and I thought about is you. I was it. like, is that. Is, right. Was that PTSD for you? Was no, it a celebration? It was, it was a celebration Wonderful. because, first of all, I'm friends with a lot of those women. Okay. I mean, you know, Rosanna Arquette. Mm-hmm. Yay. Right. You know, I mean, just, just, and, and, and even the ones that didn't actually get the victory yesterday because mm-hmm. it wasn't their particular case that was the one that was being fought or that was the one that was being charged. It doesn't matter because right. if you were a victim of this monster, you feel that relief. You know this man is going to jail and he can't do anything. His power is gone. He's not going to hurt you anymore. Mm-hmm. And that is beautiful. So that is what this is about because I believe that the guy that we're bringing out, who is, by the way, just as well known, if not more well known than Harvey Weinstein. Oh, wow. Okay, hold on. So <laughs> When does it come out? Oh, that, it's out? two weeks. Two weeks exactly. Like, you should tell us now. March 9th. March 9th. Now, now, now. <laughs> um, Give us the first scoop. <laughs> no, like, slip it in. <laughs> tell right no, now. No, no, but, no. but the point is, oh. is that this person, I'm sure, has a lot of other victims out there. I know this person has a lot of other victims out there. Now, I know, you know, different aspects of his crimes and some of the victims that he has which are in way different fields because it kind of runs the board but all i can tell you is that i hope and pray that those victims who've been living in fear all of these years are going to see this as a turning point Mm -hmm. and they are going to rush forward with their claims and that they are going to bring their claims to the police and report this man Mm -hmm. and that it will be like you know a tidal wave of people coming forward and saying, me too, me too, me too. Mm-hmm. And if that happens, then there will be investigations opened. Mm-hmm. There will be indictments mm-hmm. and the man will be in jail and will have to, you know, defend himself like R. Kelly and like mm-hmm. Epstein and like uh, Weinstein. So right. that's that's the goal. And then ov- obviously it's not just that man, but there's mm-hmm. six men mm-hmm. that we name mm-hmm. in this movie. And I want to see all of them go down. Mm-hmm. All of them. One of them's dead. One of them's dead. But besides yeah. that, the rest yeah. need to go to jail. Why do you think um, Hollywood is such a fertile environment for sexual abuse? Because it's rife throughout this entertainment power, business. baby. It's you know, power. power and money. Yeah. Well, money and power go yeah, hand in hand. They think they right. can control everybody with it. Mm-hmm. You know. And the thing is, these these people they get so full of themselves and so ego driven and they just think like oh my god my poop doesn't stink mm-hmm. you know what i mean because i've got all the money and if if i do something wrong i'll just pay to cover it up mm-hmm. you know? it's funny because i do think it, ha- it happens in other um in industries but for some reason because we want our careers as actors so much it's almost like we'll do anything to 
perform because we love we love to perform we love to be on stage it gives us like that dopamine rush right Right. so it's almost like an addiction to getting the next job the next job and so when there's like a when there's someone standing in front of you and saying no you can't come in this gate you're like well what do i have to do to please you so that i can get my dopamine rush and i can my dreams can come true it's all like based on like this uh, narrative of dreams right right? then it also becomes a very self-serving selfish acquisition Mm -hmm. and that's where they play on your um on your greed mm-hmm. right we all have it we all have it yeah. and that's a thing it, it's an ego driven thing and they're playing on our egos mm-hmm. and therefore if we can accept the fact we accept our part of the responsibility and saying you know what hey guess and this isn't for kids by the way because mm-hmm. kids don't fall under that category mm-hmm. this is for the adults who get messed with but you know for the adults to get messed with it's up to us to put that gate down and say you know what i'm not willing to go this far mm-hmm. i'm not willing to stay quiet about this mm-hmm. i'm not willing to play along i am going to call you out mm-hmm. that is our responsibility as adults mm-hmm. for the kids mm-hmm. different story because they don't get to make that decision right they need to be protected that's right and that's and when you weren't aren't they being protected right and that goes back to mm-hmm. one of the major things which is that i am now on the sag board uh, I'm actually on several committees at SAG mm-hmm. working with a lot of different people regarding children's rights. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I started uh, a few years back is a movement called Kids 2, mm-hmm. which if you would, I would love it if all your listeners and all of your viewers start using the hashtag Kids 2. Mm-hmm. And if you were a victim of childhood sexual assault, please use the hashtag Kids 2, which is a capital K, little IDS, and the number 2. And the thing is, is that it's the children's rights movement. Mm -hmm. And it's time for the children's rights movement because there's never been one in this country. Mm -hmm. There's been the civil rights movement. There's been all sorts of different movements for injustices, you know, um, the equal rights movement. But there's never been a children's rights movement. And why is that? that, Right. Right. See, children are always put last. Mm -hmm. That's why it's kids, too. It should have been kids one. Mm -hmm. It should have been kids first. But it's not. Mm -hmm. They always come last. They're secondhand citizens. Mm -hmm. People don't think of them as a priority. And that's crazy to me. And you're angry. I'm very angry. Mm -hmm. Of course. These Mm -hmm. kids are getting raped. These kids are getting molested because they show up to work for the day. I mean, it's like, and and where are the parents? That's Mm -hmm. what you have to ask yourself. So a lot of times people say, well, you know, people just, you know, got to take responsibility and it should be the parents watching. Well, of course it should be the parents watching them. But let me ask you, how many times have you been on a set where you've seen a kid get picked up by, you know, the assistant or by the, this person or the, that person. And they Every bring them day. Mm-hmm. Right. Because the parents can't be bothered. Or they're, or they're often, not there or they're exactly. creating money so that their children can... I don't know. I find it like I have a small child and just the thought of putting her... She's six years old and I have a one-year-old. The thought of putting her in the entertainment business... I started at 14 and that was young enough for me and I still have yeah and I still have issues from starting so young not from my parents just but but because I didn't really have a proper upbringing Um, not with my again with my family but just I didn't have the normal social skills yeah yeah. and so I expect the world to give me so much because it did it when I was so young so my brain fires in in different ways it doesn't really connect like normal people but I look at my child who's so young and to put her in 
in front of the camera. It's almost like a an animal and tell them to perform on a certain cue. And if you don't, then they're in trouble when that's not maybe what they even want to do in the first place. And then right. you then you bribe them with like sweets. And I've done that before toys. for little things, toys. toys. Yeah. And oh, I'm like, what am I doing to a child a who's so impressionable, whose mind is still mush at that age? Yeah. What am I what am I trying to put my own agenda yes. onto them? Yes. So what is the best way, Corey, just because you've been a victim of this and, and had to deal with it, what is the best way that we can protect our kids from pedophilia and mm-hmm. from predators? Not Maybe not even in, in Hollywood. Yeah, in general. Well, in, in general. general. Listen, because yeah. it's everywhere, right? right. I mean, it's I don't everywhere. know if you guys noticed, but I helped change the law this year mm-hmm. in California, yes. where we are, that the child statute of limitations is now pushed back until 45 years old, which mm-hmm. is great, right? And then there's also a three-year window, which means that anybody who is victimized prior to the year 2017 that maybe never dealt with it, never got justice, never mm-hmm. sought justice, can now bring their cases forward. Mm-hmm. The problem is the district attorneys actually following up and making those cases criminal cases and bringing these people to real justice. So that's right. the problem. But mm-hmm. what we're doing, and part of what we're doing at SAG, uh, hopefully with the subcommittee that I'm trying to create on kids too, is basically to redefine the laws to make sure that the kids are protected against these terrible parents who don't care. Mm. So the way to do that is number one, you make it mandatory mm-hmm. that a parent or legal guardian is with the child at all times when in a work environment. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't just mean on the set, that means to castings, mm-hmm. that means to the publicity right. events, that means to the meetings and the writers meetings and the director's house and all the little things because we trust the people that are in power mm-hmm. to control our children thinking that like, hey, they're in the movie industry so they're not gonna take advantage of my child. That's complete naivety. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And you're just gullible if you think Mm -hmm. that. Because at the end of the day, why, when I was a kid, did my publicist come and pick me up and he'd have three other kids in the car and he'd be like, hey, we're gonna have a little sleepover at my house tonight. Mm. That happened all the time. Mm. I saw, and then I'd see this manager who's friends with this publicist and this manager happens to be a pedophile who gets arrested and he's got kids in his house all the time. And then like you were like, wait, where's where's, you know, this great guy, Bob mm. Villard, where's he at? Oh, well, he's out there, uh, you know, he's in jail right now. Mm-hmm. He's not gonna make it today. Mm. What do you mean he's in jail? What's he in jail for? Oh, a little incident that happened with kids. What do you mean? What incident? Oh, well, I guess he was taking some pictures of, you know, kids in his bathroom or something. I mean, this is a real story that I'm telling. You can look oh, it up. Oh, I believe it. Yeah. You can look it up. I believe so, it. So, you know, and that's not even in my movie. We mm-hmm. don't even talk about that guy in my movie because he didn't do anything to me directly. Mm-hmm. Something I know about. Mm-hmm. So there's the ones that I name in the movie, which are people that are, you know, directly did something to me or the people that we talk about in the movie. Mm-hmm. But if you're not named in the movie because you know it you weren't a direct person in my life or you didn't directly abuse me or you know my close friend then i don't have the right to tell that story that's somebody else's story to tell but you can look up the public record of how many pedophiles have gone to jail in this industry you know, and they're going to be the small guys. They're not going to be the guys that you know their names. They're not oh, going to no. be the people that you know who they are. Why? Because all the little guys take the fall and mm-hmm. then the big guys are always protected. Right. And that's how it works. It's a train, a tree chain of command. And so 
again, the, these are the things that we draw out in this film. This is why this film is so important. And by the way, for all of you listening, please go buy tickets now because tickets are yes, on sale yes. right now. MyTruthDoc.com is the website. And um, it's only 20 bucks. And it's mm-hmm. 20 bucks for a whole household. But this this movie literally cost me everything. I mean, I had to take out an insurance policy mm-hmm. for a million dollars just to get this movie made and it was all my own money no investors everybody was too afraid nobody wanted to back it so am i scared i'm terrified i'm terrified this is my future this is my livelihood this is my family and if this movie does not succeed and i'm you know penniless at the end of it all how am i going to protect myself because you know they're coming after me you know there's going to be lawsuits you know there's going to be attempts there's already been attempts on my life I mean, these people don't play. It's almost like you have to do this because it's your calling, because it's the way you can release and let go and forgive and accept and move on. And it's not only that, but it's that my best friend made me promise him before he died Mm -hmm. that I would get his story out because he wasn't strong enough to do it himself. He lived in this fear his whole life. Mm. You know, imagine if it was your best friend that, and it was 14. It was that age exactly. Mm -hmm. So imagine at 14 when you started in this industry, if you met your BFF Mm. on the first set you went to, Mm -hmm. and they confided something in you so terrible, and you had to live with that for 30 years. And then all of a sudden, one day you go, you know what? I can't live with it anymore. Because he told me Mm -hmm. before he died that like, hey, this is what's killing me. Mm-hmm. And you as my best friend need to be the anchor. You need to be the one to get justice for what happened to me. And you did it. I'm doing it. You're doing I'm hoping doing to do it. I'm praying that this works. Yeah, you're definitely Prayers honoring, every day. Right? You're honoring him. You're honoring his memory. My wife is crying over there. You'll mm-hmm. notice. So, because everyone's crying, let's talk about some happy memories. (laughs) So we don't all leave without the power running down. Right. Let's talk about actually your career. Were there any really great memories of like the people you worked with and the stories that you had? Like River Phoenix, what was he like when you worked with him? Still making great memories. You know, I mean, every movie I do, I make new friends. You know, so I love I love what I do for a living. Mm -hmm. It's a great thing. You know, I mean, we have we have a great time on sets. We love you know, becoming another character, becoming another person and meeting all these fabulous, wonderful people. Because, you know, people always go, ah, those sleazy Hollywood people, they're all terrible. They're not all terrible. There's a lot of great, beautiful, wonderful people here, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, So let's not taint it because there's a few bad apples. Mm -hmm. There are always going to be a few bad apples in every industry, Mm -hmm. you know? But yes, River Phoenix was amazing. He was amazing. He was like, we were great friends growing up. Mm -hmm. So people don't know this, but him and I used to run into each other all the time on auditions. Mm -hmm. And I would run into Joaquin, and you know, who was Leaf at the time. Mm -hmm. People don't know that, but his name was actually (laughs) Leaf. Um, Interesting. Yeah. And his sister, which was Rainbow. Really? Yes. I mean, they were very hippied out, you know, so it was a hippie family. Mm -hmm. Um, And we would see them. They would pull up in their van or their bus or whatever it was, this Mm -hmm. kind of old junky you know muppet movie kind of bus that they would roll up in and um you know it was it was an interesting time i mean we were all just friends there was no competition as far as we saw it Mm -hmm. 
And that was the world we grew up in where you just see all your other friends. You'd be excited. I mean, when you were a kid actor, you probably remember this too. When you were a kid actor, it was like you were so bored of working with adults all the time oh that if God, there was somebody yeah. your age on the set, you were like, yeah. <laughs> were you, you know? mischievous? Um, a little bit, but right. not pranks much. Pranks Pranks, yes. Yeah, okay. Yes, I always like that. What did you used to yeah, do? do. Uh, well, I, I still do. <laughs> oh, tell us prank. I'm, I'm a big, I'm a, I'm a big yeah. kid. I don't know. All sorts of things. Oh, my God. I guess there was one time where we were uh, on Dream a Little Dream. I know we did a lot of... Me and Mark Rocco used to do pranks all the time. Mm. But it's hard to remember all of them. I'll tell you one of the one one of the great ones uh, was actually not my prank, but it was Steven Spielberg's prank mm-hmm. on Richard Donner, mm-hmm. and it was at the end of Goonies, and it was like right before uh, the movie was wrapping. Mm-hmm. Donner for the last few weeks, you know, because it was like a six month shoot. It went on forever, mm-hmm. and um, and Ri- kid, it's like two years. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, that's what it forever felt like. And, ever. and then you had like six months of ADR yeah. after that. Like, so oh my it God, literally was a year. <laughs> yeah, it was never over. You look totally different from the um, time you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, pretty well. Nose not ring. quite that bad, but <laughs> <laughs> in those days we weren't quite that dramatic. Yeah. As kids, that is. You know, um, but anyway, so it was a few weeks before it ended, and Donner would you know start going i can't wait to get away from these damn kids ah get me to hawaii i just want to get to maui screw these kids you know, that's all i kept saying so um what happened though was spielberg thought it would be hysterically funny to have all of us waiting at his vacation home in maui when he arrived oh, no. there. so he literally went out and bought all of the kids no, and didn't. one guardian oh, each uh, plane tickets no. and hotel arrangements and everything and it was like kind of a big gift to everybody at the end and of oh, course no. we didn't really stay at his house but we did show up at his house like the day after he got there so he's like oh resting in peace <laughs> <laughs> everything's great what did he and he do he saw in. you well okay so here's the jet you want to hear the sad part of the story yeah, yeah, yeah. now sad part of the story see it's so so eventful so colorful <laughs> but the sad part of the story with my deranged ass mom was that she showed up all drugged out and messed up the day that I was supposed to go to the airport and I was like sitting there with my suitcase like all excited and happy to be with my friends and I'm waiting outside my grandma's house because I was staying at my grandma's and my mom comes you know screeching up the street in her BMW and slams in front of the house and she's got makeup dripping down her face and she's like "Ah." you can tell you just knew she'd pulled an all-nighter I didn't even know what that meant yet but I knew she pulled an all-nighter so anyway she could barely talk she could barely drive she definitely she was in no condition to be driving and she's like get in the car and like we go to the airport and we get there like literally and this is so sad but like we're like I get to the airport and I hear my name being called throughout the airport. And they're like, Hi, Valvin, meet your party at the gate 42, please. Gate 42, your party is looking for you. So I'm like, oh my God. So I'm like, I've never been to an airport. Right. And I'm like running around looking at these screens going, gate 42, what's a gate 42? Sounds like God. What do I do? Right. And I'm just looking at these screens trying to match things up and looking at the tickets trying to understand it. Yeah. And so I finally get to the gate and I go running to the gate, running, 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 running. Now, I don't even like wait for my mom. I just go running, 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 running. And I get to the window and I see the plane backing away from the from the little thing there. And I'm like... Uh, it was totally like a movie and it was so sad and my little heart was broken and then i called steven spielberg's office and i said is steven there yeah i missed my plane 
you know and he's like what 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 happened what's wrong with you and i said well it's not me my mom and you know so they he said all right all right let, let, let's just fix it for you so they got me on the next available flight and they did get us there thank god for steven being a hero he thank got you, us there you. yeah that's thank right you so and um and you know what um i made it but i did miss the big surprise I did miss the big surprise, and that was very depressing. But that said, I did make it to his house while they were all still there. I just missed the first hour or two of the the event. Mm -hmm. Uh, But we had a lovely barbecue on the beach. Alice Cooper came over, and that was the first day that Donner played us the Cyndi Lauper song. Mm -hmm. So he, like, put a little cassette in his little Mm -hmm. boombox and was like, what do you guys think of this? And we're like, oh, this is great. But it it was fun. That's fun. fun. Well, speaking of Goonies, you're about to reprise the role of Mouth again. I am. Goonie, well, apparently your IMDb says so. It does? <laughs> it says Who's Goonies running your IMDb? I, know. I have no idea. Says Goonies 2 is happening again Maybe and you're going to be Mouth. These are, these are rumors. Rumors? Not rumors. happening? I don't believe it. I did hear that there's interest in me coming back for the Lost Boys show. Oh, that would be true. No, I don't know if that's true either. That, that one is more of a certified rumor because <laughs> I heard it through my management. So there's <laughs> possibility there but well speaking of the lost boys lost boys and stand by me were two of my favorite favorites um did you see the sequels uh, i you know what i stuck with the originals i Uh, original originals oh geez well not better you can't do better right but but i think the third one was actually really solid Mm -hmm. it's called the thirst the tribe which was the second one was Mm. Mm-hmm. A little bit more on the B movie kind of side, uh-huh, you know, lots it. of TNA Another that didn't need to be there and that kind right? of stuff. But the thirst, uh, we shot it in South Africa. It's really well shot, and the thing I really like about it is it's the return of the Frog Brothers. Mm. So Jameson Newlander's in it now. You you know there'll be the argument that Corey Haim was actually in part two, mm-hmm. which was cool, but he does a cameo, and honestly, it wasn't his best moment yeah. it was when he was in a very bad place mm-hmm. in his mind and i was very distraught over the fact that he came to you know it's all actually um, um historically uh put down on on celluloid forever because mm-hmm. we did the two Corys, and that was actually during that moment in time so you actually got to see this kind of classic meltdown happen live in front of everybody and it was pretty um epic and pretty awful Mm -hmm. so that was a very painful time um but and 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 it was actually a very painful time doing the next sequel because i had just gone through a divorce Mm -hmm. and i had just lost eight people in my life starting with my grandfather and going to michael jackson Mm. so like everybody that i was friends with and a lot of personal people in my life literally just disappeared one by one by one by one and then right after i got home from shooting the third lost boys Corey died Mm -hmm. so it was a very tumultuous time in my life so you talk about Michael Jackson, and I know you've had a really good relationship with him, and you always have. So now that he's obviously passed away, and so much has come out after he has passed away, has that changed your opinion at all? And and where do you sit with everything, knowing what you've been through? Um, it doesn't change my opinion, because it doesn't change the facts of what our relationship was. Mm-hmm. Our relationship was a good one. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, for the most part, we did have a falling out before the end, so things didn't end on a positive note with us um but it wasn't because of anything what happened <laughs> well it's in my book choreography uh i give the, the the story but basically in short um he was going through a lot of you know paranoia mm-hmm. and that was because of well you can't blame him with all the stuff that was mm-hmm. going on and he was convinced that i he heard that my book was in the process or was in the works and i think that he became obsessed with 
somebody had told him a lie. Somebody told him that the book was about him mm-hmm. and that I was doing like a whole negative thing on him. And he came to me with it. And, you know, this was at his 30th anniversary thing in Madison Square Garden. He came to me and he said, what, what is this? You know, are you, are you writing? My mom told me that you're writing a book about me. And I said, no, why would I do that? I would never do that. Like I'm writing only positive things. There's, I have nothing negative to say. And he's like, please, Corey, please don't do that. Please. It would kill me. Please don't do that. I love you. I was like, I wouldn't do that to you. Why would you think I would do that? I'm not one of those guys. I'm not coming after you. And, um, and then it got heated, you know, and he actually made some threats to me. That was, that was pretty harsh. And I was heartbroken. I was very heartbroken and I walked away. Um, you know, I still had tickets to see the show and I just kind of threw them on the ground and walked out of the theater and was like, screw this. Mm. And then he did make attempts to try and repair the friendship. Uh, but I wasn't ready. I just, I wasn't having it. And it was the way he did it because it was not on the level um, if he would have reached out to me personally and said, Corey, we need to talk, I would have definitely taken the call. Mm-hmm. But it was more like, hey, sh- you know, through a third party, Michael's inviting you to this event or Michael's inviting you to that event. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of like, okay, so after you kind of, you know, you lost trust in me and you, you know, doubted me. And now you want me to come and kind of kiss up to you to make up for it. So I, that was it. I mean, it wasn't, it had nothing to do with any of these claims or anything like that. It was strictly like two friends having a disagreement because there's, you know, different perspectives. Mm -hmm. And he was convinced by these people that there was something going on that wasn't going on. So that's all it really was. But it was enough to make me feel threatened Mm -hmm. because I felt like he didn't, really know me because if he really knew me he would know that I would never do that mm-hmm. you know I mean I've never told a bad story about anybody except for right now mm-hmm. right. <laughs> right except for right. on this podcast yeah. Yeah. well which is what I'm I mean I have to right. but right. I'm doing it for my brother you right. know but I'm doing it for justice I'm doing it for children so that this can stop so that so that love can take over so that people can have a better understanding of of what we're supposed to be at our best as humans mm-hmm. yeah. and um, what would you like because obviously you knew Corey him very very well what would you want people to know about him think something that people maybe not you know would not know about him um something he was the funniest man mm-hmm. i've ever met <laughs> um i mean nobody could make me laugh the way Corey could and michael was very funny too by the way was he? yeah he had a great sense of humor but Corey. Uh, I mean, Michael loved practical jokes. Speaking like of practical uh-huh. jokes, oh my God. What, what did he do to you? Please yeah. tell me. <laughs> I need to know all okay. the stories here. <laughs> right. I only have you for like 21 minutes. <laughs> right, right. I need all the stories. Oh, tell Michael Jackson was one of my favorite. Like he's, when he died, I remember, I don't know about you. The Roxy. world stopped. I, the world stopped. It literally I remember did. exactly. Yeah, I was in exactly. Santa Monica and I exactly. dropped to my knees and I was Aww. hysterical. He meant so much to me. So it's hard yeah. when you have to look at your idols and they fall from grace right. or, or potentially fall from, and you're dead devastated of what that means you know so please give me well i'll tell you i'll tell you i'll tell you one fun story is that we were in um palm springs this is much later this was you know probably just the last few years of our friendship because it was when he was late 90s he was working on in the closet um the video that he did with herb ritz Mm -hmm. and naomi campbell yeah Yeah. so we were out there in palm springs and we went to his condo that he was staying in afterwards. He was staying in like this little vacation village type thing. Mm-hmm. 
and we had bicycles. He had bicycles, and he's like, let's go take a ride around on the bicycles. I was like, all right. So we jumped on some bicycles. I mean, just trying to imagine this. This is like me at like 25. and <laughs> Michael, Michael Jackson. And, you know, he's, you know, white at that point, and, you know, riding yeah, yeah. on the bike. Like, oh, yeah, that's not too obvious. Yeah. Everybody looks like that, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, so we're riding around on these bicycles throwing stink bombs at people or draw i don't i think we like threw some in some car windows i mean it was just you know oh my God, I you know love what stink it. bombs are right oh they yeah like bad eggs oh yeah eggs. i like he thought that was like the funnest thing in the world to do so he had like a whole box of them and he was like let's go throw stink bombs i'm like all right so we're running around throwing stink bombs on these bikes oh throw, throwing them at <laughs> like people's a kid doors yeah, throw, yeah. and then right? and then of course we get busted by a family who like yeah. happens to be like getting out of their car and they see us and they're like hey michael jackson what are you doing here what are you yeah they get star in the world right yeah, away you bet you bet so we actually stopped and took pictures with this this family which was very nice and they didn't like freak out or anything they took their pictures and then left and there you go but that was pretty funny yeah uh, can't imagine how lonely it felt though because he's he was the biggest star in in the, the in the world so it's like when you have that much fame which you've experienced mm-hmm. um Everyone knows you, and yet you're so alone, you know? And I yeah. I haven't really... I was really sort of successful in Australia when I first started, and so, like, I kind of had to hide a little bit, and I thought, this is nothing compared... Honey, you've got, like, four times the followers I Oh, do. but so no one cares about me. <laughs> Roxy's the only you. person that maybe sort of cares. Um, um, uh, but I don't have to hide, you know what I mean? Um, 1.3 million, I think, care a lot. So yeah, but I don't go. have to, like, you know, do... Um, not Michael Jackson, but just ha- the loneliness that comes with that level of fame that I'm sure you have experienced. It, let me tell you something. It is, it is very lonely. It is very lonely because you know when you're recognized everywhere in the world everywhere you go it's it's scary i mean because you're never alone you know you're alone but you're, but you're not alone mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying because when you go places everybody knows you're there mm-hmm. within 5 minutes so that's a weird sensation like i remember i went to bora bora Okay, and I figured, like, this is as isolated as it gets. These people are Tahitian. I have an island, just me. Yeah, I mean, they don't even have a movie theater there. (laughs) They literally don't have a movie theater. So it's like, okay, there is no way they're going to know who the hell I am. And these Tahitian people are coming up to me. Oh, hello, thank you very much for coming. And I'm like, how is this possible? I don't understand. So it's weird. It's a weird thing. But once you kind of get past that and you realize that's just the way it is. I've been doing this my whole life. I've probably been photographed more than most people on earth because it started when I was three years old. And people take pictures of me every single day of my life. So, I mean, think about how many pictures that is. That's a lot of damn pictures. Um, So, I mean, obviously people are going to recognize you. But... um, I think that it's all about the love that we share. It really is. It's about what we put out. It's about the love we share. And I think that if you have love in your heart and empathy for others, that the loneliness doesn't get to you, mm-hmm. you know, because you feel the love. I think the difference with Michael was that he never had real intimacy, mm-hmm. you know, so he never knew what it was like to have that one other person you can connect with, like you know. He knew it in his children, obviously, because mm-hmm. he was with them all the time, but he didn't know it from an intimate relationship. I don't think so. I mean, I think that even with Lisa, it was um, it was just kind of surface. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think she really loved him. I know she did, because we had long talks. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. He just had that wall up. He just yeah, couldn't break that down. Couldn't break it. 
Yeah. He was too isolated by that point. It had been too long. What do you make of the guys that are um, bringing, trying to, you know, bringing charges against him? I believe Wade Robson. I don't want to get into that. Okay. That's not my department. Okay. <laughs> yeah. I mean, look, at I have, I have fond memories of our relationship. Right. I also have the disturbed memories of the end of our relationship. But, mm-hmm. you know, nothing compares to what these guys are saying. Right. And um, all I know is as far as victims go, mm-hmm. I have to applaud the voice of all victims coming forward. Mm -hmm. So that said, I believe that those guys should have a fair trial. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know how Mike gets a fair trial considering he's not here to defend himself, but he's got, you know, luckily good lawyers that'll do their job. And then we'll just see how everything goes down. But at the end of the day, I'm not here to weigh in. I have Mm -hmm. no idea. You know, all I know is what my truth is. Mm -hmm. And that's why my truth is being put into a documentary film. Mm-hmm. because that's the best truth that I've got. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I think we should probably do some fun stuff with your wife. Should yeah. We? yeah okay. uh, should we bring her in? Shall we Courtney! Bring her in? Okay. Miss Courtney. Mm-hmm. Bring in your wife in. Now yes, yes, yes. Do you want right. to um, jump in? I can squeeze over. Yeah, sure, squeeze on over. I'm great at all accents. I cannot do Australian. It always goes English for me. Okay, let's do I don't do know it. why. Sam, are we good? Yeah, because I could be uh, like all day talking <laughs> English and it sounds just fine, but I can't it. do it. If you want to do an accent off? Yes, yeah, so let's do it. Okay. All right, go you, ahead. You, you do the English, okay. but you've got to do the English and I'll do the Australian. Okay. I'm just going to do this. Pakistani. Oh, Pakistani. Okay. Yes, I will be here all day. That's really good. That's very good. That is actually quite good. Thank you so Oh, Her dad's Pakistani. My dad is Pakistani. Oh, well, then so I, I take this as a compliment. <laughs> oh, very, very good. Very, very nice good. of you to say. <laughs> you have the chin bob, chin bob. Oh, I did not know this, but I could do it, I suppose, if I need <laughs> okay, Sam, let's hear your Pakistani. No, I'm terrible at that. How about... <laughs> I just, like, kaposhed it. Um, how about South African? Ah, South African. Oh. My parents talk like this, man. Yes, it's bra. He's oh, over there in the door. That's a big one, you know. If yeah. you haven't been out there all day, you can't see it. <laughs> I think it's a little English. It's a bit English, but it's a bit sounding like English. Yeah. yeah. Um, South Africans are like this, man. They're like... Um, Let's have a braai and have a, uh, uh, some burrowos and some biltong men. Yes, everything oh, is men. Good. See, you yes, got all my, that. Yes, you right. got all that. <laughs> I can't, yeah. See, I was only there for three months, so I didn't um, get as much. Yeah. You must have spent more time. My parents are South African. Oh, okay. Well, so I get a they, total they, handicap. Not, <laughs> her dad's so Pakistani, so this is not fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I think I still got the package. Yeah, that was yeah. good. Yeah. That was You're good. You're very good. You're very good. Okay, our last one should be English then, all of us. Okay. All right, we could all do English, but there's many sorts of English. There's many sorts of English. Okay, so you do a Cockney? A Cockney? Of course I can do Cockney. I can't you do Cockney. You come up around the end then. And all times can't even understand what the hell we're saying. I like Cockney. Potatoes? Potatoes? Ah, but, well, that's uh, Irish. Ah, one, two, three, four, five. Ah, well, if they're going to go into the Irish, then you've got to put a bit of swing in. Yeah, I love it. That's good. The Australian, though, I think you're not good. No, I can't. I I totally lose on the Australian. Hey, mate, here's the thing. You're a good bloke. It's about, I'm trying to be a good bloke, but the thing really is, I just bloke. can't do it. 
I'm I'm trying to go out and find me some crocodiles in the outback, but I just can't get there. It's like we all wrestle crocodiles. You're Australian. You wrestle crocodiles. Hey, I call Foster's beer, Foster's beer. All right. It's funny because there was a spider the other day that came in in, in our house. And this is so Australian of me because normal American girls would be just like, don't like it. I saw the spider. I got my hand and I was like, bam, with my hand. I was like, that's so Australian because everything in Australia will kill you. So, like, you're not afraid of anything. Right, right. Yeah. Right. It's like a poison spider. You could have been dead. I, I was whatever. Well, like, I don't think that's how can, you're gonna die. I don't think it can kill me. you if you're smashing it, right? Because like no. they would have to bite you really fast. <laughs> yeah, they like, like I'm, I'm dead right now. <laughs> <laughs> like a, Okay, so we're going to let that go and talk about relationships. Ladies and gentlemen, Courtney Feldman, my wife. Yay! Courtney Feldman! Hi! She's been together how long? You're going to probably have to speak Uh, into that really close. Well, we've been together for like eight years or so. Almost nine. Yes. Uh, We met at the Playboy Mansion. Yeah. In the grotto? Yeah. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, I didn't spend much time there, especially during the big parties. I would go there on Sundays, and Sundays that was nice because there wouldn't be anybody there. So it was nice and relaxed, and you could just go chill and lay out in the sun, and, you know, that was nice. Smoke yeah. a couple stogies with Hugh. That's it. Hang out. We, I would yeah. sit there with him while, we, while he played his Baccarat. You know, oh. he loved his Baccarat. And so, you know, you'd sit there and play. Or backgammon. Backgammon, backgammon, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I never there? played. I just sat there. <laughs> um, I was just there because I wanted to check out one of the parties. And yeah, I just went by myself and didn't really know anybody. So I was like, okay, well, you know, I met him and like asked for a picture. Apparently he remembers. I don't really remember that well, but I do remember taking the picture with him. So, yeah, I obviously did ask. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, yeah, it didn't just happen on yeah. its own. Yeah. Uh, and it was love at first sight? Well, um, it was, it was, no, yeah. it was, she was a pretty girl, but it was more concern uh, because she came up to me, asked for the picture. We took the picture and then she says, I said, what do you, you know, who are you here with? And she says, I'm by myself. And I said, what do you mean you're by yourself? And she goes, yeah, I just came by myself. And I'm like, oh, well, where, where'd you come from? Where you live down the street or something and she's like no I came from Canada and I'm like wait what yeah. <laughs> you, you flew all the way out here from Canada yeah. to come to the Playboy Mansion by yourself yes, who did. does that and she's like I do and I was like well you got big cojones uh, like, let me tell you so yeah oh, I've been I thought you meant you have big cojones. No! Cojones is a Spanish word for you have cojones. Balls. Like, balls. You went like this. Right, no. Or you yeah. have big, and I was like, that's no. an interesting hiccup line. No, 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 no. Not no, 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 single I'm not I mean I'm not going to be serious with anybody I'm not going to have a relationship so I had like 10 girlfriends and we would all like go together and it was all like kind of a big fun thing and it was all like you know I treated everybody with respect but I also was still kind of making sure to look out for their safety that was a big part of it for me so uh, I put everybody together in the car and I'd make sure everybody got there together and everybody left together and I was responsible, you know, sober guy, never drank, I never, you know what I mean? I was always like the responsible s- sound person, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I saw her and it was by the entryway and I was like, it's like one thirty in the morning and I'm like, so what are you doing after this? She's like, I don't know. And I'm like, you might want to come with us, you know, just at least so that you're safe. So I brought her back to the house with us <laughs> and then she was like, do you got a, a room I can go lay down in? And I was like, sure. So I put her in a room 
And then like we went, you know, had our little after party and then it was like an hour later and I was just like, boy, she never came out of the room. I better go check on her. So <laughs> I went in, like opened the door. I was like, are you all right? And she's like, yeah. And she was laying there on her laptop, kind of minding her own business, like doing business work. And I'm like, is this, this is why you came over to like um, do work? I don't understand. <laughs> like, is it like two in the morning or something? Yeah, you know, yeah. she's like, well, no, actually, I was just looking for a uh, a ride, like a taxi because I've got to get to the airport. I was like, oh, you're leaving? And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, why? And she's like, well, because, you know, I got to get to my flight and I'm going back to Canada. And I was like, oh, well, that sucks. <laughs> you know, why are you? Uh, why? I don't understand. She's like, I got to get back. I was like, OK. So then as she started to leave, I said, I don't understand why you never came out and said hello. And she was like, well, I didn't want to piss off any of the girls. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, it's not like any of them are my girlfriends. Like, we're all just friends. You know, we're all like we're girlfriends, but in a different sense, you know, but like they're not there's no commitment. You wouldn't mm-hmm. piss anybody off. And not only that, but I wouldn't have even invited you if they didn't want you here, too. They all thought you seemed really sweet and nice. And that's why you were invited. And then she's like, oh, I didn't know. I thought maybe one of them was like your serious girlfriend and maybe they were their friends or, you know, I didn't know what the situation was. I was like, no, 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 nothing like that. And then she laid like this big kiss on me. And then it was like, and then that was the moment. (laughs) So she's had those positive influences on me. But more than that, there is a symbiotic relationship Mm -hmm. in the sense that I've helped her through some very traumatic, awful things and kind of helped her become the person that she is. When I met her, she wasn't even a vegetarian. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Mm. She was drinking alcohol still, you know, and whatever. And she, I mean, she never did cocaine or anything like that. She was always a good girl. I've never done it in my life. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's why you don't ever want to do it. Right. (laughs) I think Um, it would make me feel very anxious. It would. Unsettled. (laughs) I would not like it. (laughs) It's the worst feeling in the world. It's uh, not every drug, but I did my share. Most of them. Yes. Um, I don't have a favorite because I hate most of them. But if there was one that I was going to do that because it's not addictive and it can't kill you, it would be MDMA. Mm. My husband says that too. It's a truth. As long as you know where you're getting it from. It's That's the right? No, oh, it's not hallucinogenic. It's more, okay, basically ecstasy. it was. Oh, it's ecstasy. It's the root it's of, root of ecstasy. ecstasy. So like ecstasy is like a mixed mosh of all kinds of drugs, right? right. But like MDMA at its, at its core was created by psychologists mm-hmm. and pharmaceutical people to give to uh, relationships who are having a hard that. time opening that. up and expressing themselves. So what it does is it opens up channels in your mind and allows you that. for clear consciousness. And so it's actually um, a higher vibration mm. drug as opposed to a low vibration drug. Low vibration drug is like, say, cocaine or heroin or meth because they work off your ego. Mm-hmm. They work off your lower... Um, capabilities uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for functions mm-hmm. uh, so so it's a little bit of a different process in your brain but it's also not addictive and again it can't kill you so I would say like to my kid you know don't ever do drugs mm-hmm. but if you're gonna do anything then that would be the only thing I would feel safe about mm-hmm. when you turn 18 versus you know something else that's out there so i think that that would be terrible yes you would you would (laughs) actually love it that's perfect what do you i don't know you would love it i I already have my husband's like they always say like you know he's so lucky i'm like no there's always a guy who's like over having sex with you and that's it no that's terrible he's like like, not again i said to him the other day i I did i said to him the other day i was like do you know you reject me 
a lot like not like all the time he's like because it's always available and I was like it's like the caramel sauce thing you know you have caramel sauce on some like ice cream it's like yum but if you have too much caramel sauce it's like I just have had too much caramel sauce right you know I you know what I don't think there's too much in caramel sauce I think caramel bring sauce bring on the caramel sauce a, right? bring give me some more <laughs> caramel <laughs> baby Corey Feldman and it's on oh, no 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 just go have just go have sex with your husband you don't need to do drugs to do it yes. that's my advice yeah yeah and and he should be very grateful. How right. about that? Poor thing's tired. <laughs> Courtney, what do you make of like all the female attention that Corey gets? Like, did that ever bother you, or was it something that you were okay with, like from the beginning? Like, um, did you ever get jealous, or how did that pan out? Uh, I kind of like met him uh, with like a lot of females, so I was just worried they were going to be mean to me. But. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so it doesn't bother you like if a woman approaches him or like no. if you guys are together somewhere. You're a good woman. No, That's it happens a lot, so it's mm-hmm. like not a big deal. I'm yeah. Very yeah. I know. I I am. I mean, I'm jealous in some ways. Like if it were for a picture or something like that, I probably wouldn't get jealous, but if it was like an in-depth like yeah. take the attention away from me conversation, like all engrossing, I might get a little annoyed, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, let's get you guys out. We're going to do a quick Never Have I Ever. Yes, let's do it. Okay. Never Have I Ever Swallowed Gum. Not true. I've swallowed plenty of gum in my day. (laughs) Okay, you have. Did you have them out in your poop ever? No. Did you? Six, seven years. But it would work as a good handlebar (laughs) (laughs) if you ever need to remove it. Every time I swallow it, I'm like in seven years. Yes, you'll see it again. So, like, I put it on my diet to look for it. Right. Do you, like, literally, like, do you literally examine your poop every day for seven, for the year, for the whole year? Once in a while. But I try to. If you're healthy or not, you would know this being into health. Like, you need to look at your poop. And when it's like one long thing and it doesn't stop. Shape. I'm so happy. <laughs> I want to take pictures. I want to yes. send them to Roxy. You know what TMFI means? Because I'm like in the TMFI zone right about now. <laughs> yeah, well, like, you know what? what? If you can't I talk about poop on a podcast, like really, your next podcast is not going to be as fun as this. Okay. Okay. Never have I ever said, do you know who I am to get out of a parking ticket? Mm-hmm. Ooh. No, I can't no. say that I have. No. You've never pulled the like, do you? I don't say, do you know who I am for any reason. Okay. I think that is the most offensive Verbiage. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, to self. No, to self. Never. <laughs> She's like, damn it. I damn guess it. I can't admit that one anymore. Speak to my therapist about <laughs> right. this point. Have you ever tried to pull rig to get like a reservation at a restaurant? Okay, okay, okay. But I don't, okay, okay. But I don't okay. do it myself. Okay. I would never go like in person and be like, do you know who I am? You better <laughs> let me in. No, I will like either have an assistant or a publicist oh. or a security or somebody on my team call oh my God, and they'll okay. be like, I have Corey Feldman. He'd like to come in. And if they're not like polite right away, I'm like, forget it, Uh, forget it, because I don't want to go somewhere where I'm not wanted. You know what I mean? Like if there's an attitude about it, and they're like, well, well, we just don't have room today, I'll be like, no, 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 it's it's fine, 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 fine. (laughs) The other day, someone wouldn't um, deliver a cheese plate to this my uh, Valentine's Day, so I pretended I was (laughs) my assistant. I was like, hi. I've done that too. I was like, hi, it's Taylor. I heard you can't deliver the cheese plate for her sock. She has 1.3 million followers. I think oh, it's just God. really bad for business because, you know, there's 5.2 million impressions for your cheese store. And I just think that they're like, no, sorry, we can't. I'm like, you know, we can just pay for someone to be there for an extra hour. They're like, you know what? 
sure, it's fine. And I was like, thank you. I'll let Tamma know. Bye bye. <laughs> right. Oh, exactly. And then I forget because people go, oh, we, we spoke to your assistant. And I was like, what assistant? I don't have an assistant. Oh, wait. <laughs> no. Let but you know, all on. I can say, Tamron, is that's very cheesy of you. <laughs> oh. I see what you did there. Not just joking. I'm here for okay, Never have I ever farted on a plane. Blame someone else. Oh, uh, yeah. I think we've all had gas at certain points that were uncomfortable, <laughs> shall we say? Yes. Part on planes is that pressure. I, yeah. I, I can see I, you I just letting them right and left. Yeah, but I'm like, this is not going to smell, right? <laughs> yeah. And then, like, it comes out, I'm like, oh my gosh, it bypassed the plane food, like, right. through the side and went out my butthole. And I'm like, this smells really <laughs> Well, the thing is, as long as you go on Indian flights a lot, because <laughs> when you smell <laughs> all the, my people. But the, oh, but the, people. the cooking, the cooking, you know what I'm talking about it comes through it comes through you start getting that what's that one turmeric you get some turmeric going it just comes wafting through it comes wafting through the airplane and you're like oh yeah you're stuck on the plane yes you're stuck like okay it's not going anywhere and garlic I'll tell you my worst I'm now get inspired yes please my worst airplane story ever okay so it was on India Airlines, and I am sitting behind. We're in first class, so I'm thinking this will be very nice. These big, giant, luxurious seats, and I'm like, oh, this is wonderful. And then there's this big, giant vent thing right next to the windows. So it's got like a big separation. It's got this big, blowing vent. And I'm like, oh, nice, fresh air blowing in my face. This is so nice. And then all of a sudden, there's this family sitting in front of me, and they've got a newborn. And I'm they're sorry. and they're all eating this wonderful Indian food, oh. <clears throat> and they decide to change the child's oh, diaper. I, oh. Who, by the way, has a big, big Blowout. duty. Let's just say it's a big poopy, big poopy for the baby, and it goes everywhere. It's an explosive situation, and so they open up the diaper. And it, I just, let's just say the wafting of the fresh air that I thought was so wonderful coming back into my face was now completely filtered through with all of this, the worst. Oh. Yes, it's turmeric mixed with. <laughs> Indian food poopy. Crap right. mixed with, yes. And I mean, it was, it was pretty horrific. And I literally, I was like in my chair going, oh God. I was like literally trying not to puke into the ventilator, but oh, you know. that sounds like, awful. Air mask, no. air mask. Where, where are the air mask gonna drop yeah. down? Like you I need it. Drop I need down it. the event of pressure. Uh, this is pressure. Yeah. Oh, I hate parents like that. Okay, I know, I know. There's probably three out of four here that I'm guessing did this. Never I've ever peed in the bed. Oh. Well, I do that for fun. <laughs> just I mean, for fun. Tuesday <laughs> night, why not? I say pee on each other. <laughs> I'm just saying, if it's a little cold, if it's a little cold, you might want to warm yourself up. I mean, you know. <laughs> Certain people have water beds. I have a pee bed. What's the problem? Shower bed. There you go. No, I haven't really done that much since I was like three, but boy, it would be fun again. <laughs> it would be fun. Bring yeah. back the old times, you know. Tamman? I don't pee. No. You don't pee? No, I never oh my pee. god. I'm like a camel. What kind of woman um, are you? No, but I remember being like the first time I ever drank, like it was really like 15. And I remember waking up and my friend who was wasted as well was in the corner of my bedroom and she was squatting. <gasps> I was like, what are you doing? She's like, nothing, it's fine. And she was pissing on my carpet thinking it was the bathroom. That's how drunk she was. Oh, <laughs> wow. And I remember it 
so well to this day. My, so my. She was like, nothing to see here. <laughs> oh, that's terrible. And I was like, terrible. That's terrible. And I didn't tell my mom because I was like, we weren't drinking. So I'm like, scrubbed it. Oh, yeah, that's, oh. that's pretty that bad. That's pretty bad. <laughs> um, you know what? Since we're talking about really okay. awful, terrible <laughs> things, right. uh, let me plug my movie one yes, more time. Please. Oh, please. Tell us everything. Okay. So in case you didn't notice, there's a big billboard right down the street on Sunset. Uh, but anyway, mytruthdoc.com. It's March 9th. It is a live global event, which means people in Australia can watch it. People in Mexico can watch it. Pakistan. People in Japan, Pakistan, uh-huh. everywhere. Is it Pakistan? Pakistan. Oh, I see. Pakistan. Now I learned something new. I always called it Pakistan. Dropping the knowledge. It's right Pakistan. Very nice. Pakistan. Very nice. Anyway, so so all over the world at the same time. Of course, the time zones will be different. Mm. So on the website where you go to buy your ticket, you can actually watch the counting clock because we have a big countdown timer at the top of the page, which will show you in your time zone. And just to make things a little more tricky and complicated there is the daylight savings time change the day before the movie airs oh god (laughs) i hope it doesn't mess everybody up we're in mercury retrograde right now oh yeah mercury Mercury retrograde ends the day before but anyway so um what's gonna happen is you go there you go to the website you pay your 20 bucks and you have to log in, right? Mm. So there's like a little email that you're going to get. You're going to get your, like, you put your email, your password, and then you get your receipt. And then what happens, you go back on the 9th, and then you log in again. And as soon as you log in, it automatically recognizes you, and the movie will start playing when it plays for everybody. Mm. So we're going to be at a big premiere in Los Angeles where everybody's going to be watching it together. Mm -hmm. And then everybody else who can't be at the premiere is going to be watching it around the world. So it's very exciting. It's a live event. Nobody's ever released a movie like this before uh, in this way. And the thing that makes it so exciting is, well, two, two things. Number one is the fact that all victims voices are finally going to be heard. So if you're a survivor of, of of childhood sexual abuse or of just any type of sexual abuse, this is a big moment for us because as survivors to know that there is a global event happening where people's voices can be heard. And you can say like, now if this works, if this movie actually works, if people actually buy the tickets, if people really watch this thing and stay tuned in, what this does is it changes the the way that people release films because now you don't have to go through a studio. You don't have to go through a network. You can actually put your own movie out the way that you want to mm-hmm. and all you got to do is buy the broadband. So that's why it's such an expensive venture because I bought my own broadband, my own bandwidth, and I'm putting it out on that bandwidth. So if this works as a model, it's a blueprint other people can copy it. So this is very innovative. It's very different. It's pioneering a new way of releasing films directly to the audience. So again, mytruthdoc.com, you go there, you buy a ticket, you sign in, and you watch the movie and tell us what you think after. And what is your social media handles just so people can follow you well, as well? At Dog 22 and that's a D-O-double-G. On Instagram. On Instagram. And Twitter is? And Twitter is at Corey underscore Feldman. So you follow can him, keep him. up with all the yes. truth doc stuff on your Twitter page. That's mm-hmm. right. You sure can. Mm-hmm. And you mm-hmm. can also keep up with all the truth doc stuff if you go to truth doc, mytruthdoc.com. We might see you at the premiere. Yes. You better we'll come. Be there. I you better not be you. like, you will be You stop. You stop. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We're very, we're very, very intimate now. Very intimate. And you can bring your husband and, you know, and then she, you know, yeah, because I don't want, I don't want him. Oh, no, that's why you're not having 
I don't want him getting <laughs> jealous of me going like, why do you know so much about my wife's poop? Well, he, you know what he would say? He'd be like, I know. Like, <laughs> like, that's all he says. He goes, I'm used to it. We all says. know. We all know. I'll send you. I'll send you guys. You're a dietitian. You're yeah, she gets it. Yes. We are women on top. Official. Women on top official on Instagram and I'm quizzing you right now. Podcast on Facebook. Facebook. And I'm Tam Sarsak. And I'm Roxy Manning. And we are women, women on top. I love it. <laughs>